So welcome back again to the second part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shan Ambrose on the other end of the Skype line. And it's a delight for us to welcome back again onto the programme um, just a few weeks ago, actually, we were, we were speaking with him, Father Eamon Conway. Good morning to you, Father Eamon. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, Shane. Thanks, Good a, lot. Thanks a lot for joining us again, Father, Father Eamon. In this day and age where we are going through this um, this crisis of COVID-19 and difficulties that people have and so on and so forth, I asked Father Amy maybe if, if he might be able to just share a few thoughts that he might have around the subject with us. There's all sorts of thoughts, thoughts that people have been asked. They've been asked about, is it God's punishment? Why did it happen? Where are we going to come out of all of this and so on and so forth? Father, um, is going to try and, sh- uh, and share some thoughts with us that might be able to clarify some of those issues for us. But Father Eamon, I believe you, you you wrote an article for the Irish Catholic anyway recently, so maybe you can start by sharing some of that with us, please. Yeah, well, I suppose the background to all of this is that um, they, they around the beginning of March, uh, I was actually to go to Rome. I was to teach at the Gregorian University and attend a conference, and I was also going to, actually, we were going to meet the Holy Father on, on the Saturday. So obviously I was very much looking forward to all of that but increasingly, as the word came out, particularly from the north of Italy, I realised things were, were getting sticky. And around the 7th or 8th of March, anyway, the conference was cancelled. And then I had effectively, I live here at home with my dad, who's 93 years of age, and had to make a difficult decision that really, uh, you know, I had to begin to make plans to protect him. And so since the 9th of March, myself, my dad and his carer, we've effectively been cocooned here uh, at my home. Uh, we're very fortunate in having the support of so many people, but I actually haven't been in a shop since then. Uh, medicines and groceries are, are delivered. So it's a really strange kind of uh, almost quasi-monastic experience, which I have to admit to a large extent I'm enjoying. Uh, and I'm capable of doing that because we've got just such wonderful support and, and care from neighbours and friends uh, as well. And, you know, I'm so blessed to have my dad with me at a time when so many people are not able to see their elderly loved ones uh, as well. But having somebody of that age and, you know, my dad at 93, his health is is delicate, has brought me right into the heart of, of, of the vulnerability of this time. I think a lot of people, at least in the early stages, consider themselves uh, a little invulnerable or invincible, particularly younger folk. And, um, of course, now we realize that's not necessarily the case at all. But I think for a lot of people, that was the way uh, that they saw themselves. But I was right in touch with that sense of vulnerability from the beginning. And I, it brought me back to, I suppose, the time in my life when I most felt vulnerable um, up until this, uh, which was back in 2009, when I was diagnosed with uh, a, a, a tumor in my eye, a most unusual and rare but nasty form of cancer uh, called ocular melanoma. Now, at the time, the prognosis was that this was quite likely to recur. And thank God, I've been so blessed that it hasn't. But I suppose I went through a period of of the usual kinds of questions, which maybe have come up now for a lot of people as they face this crisis, like why me or why us? Uh, And a sense of, you know, a sort of sense of of, of annoyance and anger and and self-pity. As somebody said, we go through all the emotions, really, that people tend to go through at times of grief you know, and, and sense of loss. Uh, and then eventually, maybe hopefully reach a stage of being at peace with it. But by disposition anyway, I suppose I'm the kind of person who likes to say, well, what's, is, is there an opportunity in this, in this awful crisis? And I think we're finding that there are opportunities. 
For example, the other day, I, I saw a tweet from a father who said that normally, as a family, I have the kids out at GA matches uh, four nights a week. And until now, we thought that was the best thing in the world. But now we're at home as a family together every evening for dinner. And the kids are much calmer and, and more reflective. And there's really some powerful good coming out of this. It's something we're going to have to take on board into the future. And I think we've spent today, be, you know, today and all these days around now, we're hearing maybe nature in a way we haven't heard before. We see the, the signs of, of greater clarity in our skies. I know of a place I've been to in India. I've never been there where there hasn't been smog. And I just heard yesterday that for the first time in, in decades, the smog has lifted. So there's some, you know, something strange going on in a kind of a way. And I think the Holy Father, I think Pope Francis touched very powerfully into this uh, when he said this is a time to ask ourselves about what really matters to us, uh, what matters most. And I suppose at moments of crisis, as indeed for myself 10 years ago now, 11 years ago, uh, when I was struck by cancer, I had to ask myself, well, what really matters most? And it led to a period for me of a, of a, a deepening of my faith in the sense that my faith became much more practical and, and realistic. And what I mean by that is my faith had to speak to my daily life. Couldn't be just some sort of ideal. Uh, it had to be something that really uh, nurtured me and, and uh, I suppose, helped me to make sense of my daily life in a new and, and kind of powerful way, you know. And I, 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 that was a gift that came for me out of that awful moment, you know. So I suppose what I've been trying to do is encourage people uh, to look for the gift in this crisis, in this awful moment. And I know that can be easier for some than for others, uh, either by virtue of disposition um, or by virtue of the, their circumstances. Uh, but I suppose that's really where maybe as a community, uh, even though separate uh, physically, um, we can help and support each other uh, emotionally and spiritually uh, to see the gift in this particular moment. And I, I believe that that this is a moment of gift and that God can speak to us in this. But I suppose that will only happen if we really believe that God, our lives are in God's hands. And it's really, I suppose, at moments of fragility that we realize how important that insight actually is. A lot of the time we try to be our own God to ourselves. And I think we only turn to God in prayer when everything else fails. I, mean, I can put it this way. God is usually plan B. Plan A is I get on with my own life. And, uh, you know, if all else fails, I, 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 I bang off an urgent prayer of rescue to God. You know, it's like the student who hasn't studied all year and then suddenly gets very devout uh, coming up to the exams, you know. And I suppose really the good news of Easter, which we've just celebrated, is that God has already rescued us. God has already actually uh, saved us. Uh, the only question is, is what we're going to do about it, whether we're actually going to live out of it ourselves or continue to try to be our own gods in our own universe. Um, so really one of the, I think one of the insights or the key um the key challenges we face at the moment is to accept the reality. And the reality is uh, that, to use a phrase of C.S. Lewis, life is always lived, human life is always lived on a precipice, he says. Um, but it's just at moments of crisis like this that we realize it. So the challenge is to, to realize and accept that, to 
absolutely dismiss the myth of autonomy. We hear so much nowadays about our lives being autonomous and we strive for autonomy and 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 uh, auton- bodily autonomy and every other kind of autonomy. And that's rubbish. We, all sorts of people now are recognizing what Pope Francis has been preaching to us as a constant theme, that all of creation is interdependent, that we all depend on one another. Uh, and we depend, even interspecies, we depend on one another. And to find the humility to accept our dependency, which I think is really one of the uh, invitations of this moment. Um, and to, to really then also the humility to accept God's rescuing of us. So they're kind of some of my thoughts just at this point in time. Thanks, Father. I mean, there was, there was just a few points that I picked up to when, when you sent me on that, um, that, you know, that particular article. One of them addressed uh, the question that is on quite a few people's minds. This claim that it's God's punishment. We've been naughty boys. What would you say to that, Father? Well, I suppose, look, this is, we find that's an ordinary, very understandable, if you like, human response. I suppose part of it is we'd like to have somebody to blame, you know. Um, We'd like to have somebody that we could point the finger at for responsibility, be that God or be that ourselves. If we could say, well, we're being punished because we did something awful wrong. So that is not the God of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing I would say. The God of Jesus Christ is not a punishing God. It took the people of the of the Bible, the Hebrews, some time to work that out. But God's last word to humanity is a word of love. That God's last word to humanity is Jesus, the word of God. And in the face of the worst thing that we human beings can do to God, we we crucified his son. It's not retribution, it's not revenge that greets us, it's actually resurrection. God gives Jesus back to us. So God cannot not love us. But in that love, love is only possible where there's freedom. And where there's freedom, there's responsibility. We're the only creatures who enjoy freedom and with it responsibility. And I suppose we talk about, what we in, in theology, we talk about natural evil and what we call moral evil. Moral evil being evil for which we, as humans, we make certain decisions that results in 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 horror and in, 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 in evil. And the natural evil is that woven into the fabric of the universe, if you like, it is it is creation which is at one level removed from God. There are, if you like, flaws. There are there are limitations in nature, and so I think that makes some sense. But nowadays we don't see that distinction all that clearly. And yes, it may well be that we human beings, to some extent, have brought this upon ourselves by the way we live our lives, particularly those of us in the West have been living very unsustainable lives lives for the universe. I remember many, many years ago, John Moriarty, the mystic storyteller, um, John said that we human beings are to the planet what AIDS is to the body. AIDS being the big plague of his time, if you like. And so I think we have to reckon with that. And we've seen all sorts of people reflect on this, um, including Pope Francis, in fact, you know, who in his famous Orbi at Orbi now, shortly after the outbreak of, of the coronavirus to the empty square of St. Peter's, he did say, look, did we think that we could do all the things we're doing to the planet and eventually that somehow we ourselves would not become sick? You know, so I think we do have to reckon with with this. But to think of it in terms of God punishing us, no. 
Uh, and it, it, I think Pope Francis actually used this phrase. He said, this is not God's judgment on us, but our judgment upon ourselves. And I think there is some truth in that. But again, I would bring come back to resist the temptation to look for somebody to blame and look at what can we learn from this? How can we change our lives as a result of this to live more fully as human beings? Um, and resist the temptation to put energy into looking for someone to blame, be it God or ourselves. And just following on from that, you, you, you do mention that Pope Francis said this is a time of choosing. Would you say, say anything about that? I mean, yeah, a... yeah, so that's, I suppose that's, look at, you know, uh, if you read Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, I mean, there are a lot of books nowadays that we're recalling, classics, if you like, that have wisdom in them that we need to draw upon at this time. And I suppose really there's a lot of freedom that has been removed from us at the moment, a lot of constraints uh, that we are having to live with and deal with. But the people who will be happiest, I think, will be those who will find some level of freedom within those constraints and exercise that freedom wisely. And I think that's what Pope Francis is saying to us, to, to choose now how we, we can't choose, if you like, the circumstance in which we have to live, but we can choose how we're going to respond to those circumstances. And he's also saying to choose what truly matters, what really matters. So I'd suggest to our listeners um, this morning to look at what have been the good moments that have emerged in this for you. I would be very surprised if some people would say that they haven't experienced, maybe in an unexpected way, some level of goodness or love or joy uh, in themselves or in others. And maybe to look at what might get in the way of that in our old lives, uh, that we could perhaps look at limiting or, or, uh, or setting aside. I mean, how we use our time, uh, what maybe has come back into our lives that we'd lost sight of before this. Um, the time may be more time for reflection. Uh, now, of course, look at, I, I realize I've had a very, if you like, rarefied experience. I'm not I don't have three or four kids running around the house here screaming, uh, you know, every day of the week, um, trying to get them to settle down, trying to get them to do some work. Maybe young people are anxious about exams, uh, parents who are anxious about employment and all of that. I know there are many, many uh, threats out there. But insofar as there's been something good that has emerged, maybe this is a chance to choose how that can that can be nurtured into the future. And I like, all, um, as well as that, you also mentioned um, the second place, uh, point that uh, Paul Francis mentions there is we can make, is to recognise that whether we like it or not, our lives are going to be lived as a kind of a high wire act. What do you mean by that? A, a high wire act? Yeah, I suppose I, I, I took that image um, when, when I was diagnosed with uh, eye cancer, uh, the surgeon um I had to go over to Liverpool actually for treatment at the time. It's it's now uh, available in Ireland, but I had to travel to Liverpool. And the surgeon, when he was giving me the prognosis, uh, you know, I was a bit shocked. I wasn't I wasn't expecting to hear that this was such a dangerous form of cancer. And he said, "Look, from now on, imagine your life is like one of those firemen who have to climb these high scale ladders, and they do it on a daily basis, knowing that their lives are at risk, but they get on with it." And he said, your life from now on is going to be a bit like that, a high wire act. You know, eventually you get used to living with the risk and living with the danger. And he was right. I mean, it took a couple of years. And, uh, you know, every time, uh, and I'm sure anybody else who has suffered from cancer will identify with this, 
every time I had a, a, a test coming up, uh, a check, you know, I used to go up to Galway, to Dublin um, on, a, uh, on a Monday, say, I'd have my tests at 10, 11 in the morning. And then I'd be waiting to see uh, the oncologist at six or seven in the evening. And they were, that was a long day, you know? And I suppose, but that was concentrated uh, experience of what I had for a long time to get used to was the fact that at any particular moment, and please God, it won't happen, but this could recur, you know? And, um, but in fact, all that is doing is sharpening the human condition that we are living on the edge of a precipice, you know? And uh, that's the, the, the situation we now find ourselves in, the vulnerability and fragility are actually constants of, of human life. Um, and I think we just cushion that so often that we um, we fool ourselves into thinking somehow that we're uh, invincible, invulnerable, uh, and we lose the touch with something essential in our humanity, which is our need of God, which is our dependency upon God. We cannot save ourselves. Just two more things. Um, you mentioned there about being involved with Catholic education yourself. And you say you said you'd, you'd like to see more done to provide students with maybe a way of helping them to accompany them on exploring, exploring the deeper questions of life. I'm saying a bit about that. Yeah, I suppose, to be honest, I'm getting um, more and more impatient with how we, we in Catholic education at all levels, I think, I have to suppose be careful here not to hurt anyone's feelings, but I think we collude with a curriculum that somehow avoids these deeper issues and these deeper questions. Any institution worthy of its name as Catholic should, should propose Christian faith as the deepest possible answer to the most profound of human questions. Not impose, can never be an imposition, but propose it. And I'm not sure or satisfied that many of our Catholic schools and colleges are actually doing that. And if ever that was needed, it's needed now. And I, 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 uh, I have a lot of respect for those who do things like well-being and mindfulness and resilience training and so on. But actually, if you look at the operative philosophy of that, for the most part, it really is trying to build people up to be strong in themselves, to adapt the words of the song, to search for the hero inside themselves. And that, to be honest, is the direct opposite of the Christian understanding. Our strength is in our weakness. Our strength is in realizing that we are not strong and that we cannot actually be strong within ourselves, uh, that we actually are strong to the extent that we actually let go and depend upon the risen Lord, who has already given self, his self to us totally uh, and been given back to us in the resurrection. Uh, so, you know, that's what I suppose really I, I am saying to myself this. If Pope Francis is saying to us to choose what matters most, I would love to see our leaders in Catholic education at all levels. To be honest, putting it a little bit bluntly, getting our act together here and saying, are we really doing our job in Catholic schools to present Christ as the most profound answer to the human question, to propose that as a viable and attractive and meaningful uh, incredible option uh, in our Catholic schools. As I say, propose, not impose. But if we're not doing that, what's the point in, in calling ourselves a Catholic institution? So I suppose, ju just to bring this reflection to a conclusion in regard to 
what we're going through again in terms of the, the, this COVID-19 experience that we maybe haven't had the occasion to experience in our lives before, the restrictions, etc., etc., etc. As you would say, again, the opportunities within that. What sorts would you like to leave with our listeners there this morning, Father Eamon? You know, just to give them a little bit of encouragement to continue on, especially in terms of faith. Yeah, I would say, to be quite honest with you, I have, I have found this as a wonderful opportunity to deepen my personal prayer. That's the honest truth. I heard a bishop a few uh, years ago uh, jokingly say that a priest had said to him that things have got so bad that I've actually started praying again. (laughs) (laughs) And I think uh, I would suggest try it. You know, try it. Uh, try, Try personal prayer and maybe try family prayer. Uh, maybe even some of the prayers that we learned when we were younger, there's nothing wrong with going back to those, or maybe taking a piece of scripture. Um, there's a cartoon doing the rounds of the devil uh, saying to Jesus, um, he see, I've managed to close every church in the world. And Jesus saying, ha, you think you have? No, every home has become a church. And, uh, you know, I think there's a real sense now, and maybe in many ways as priests, we haven't done enough to empower lay people to lead prayer and to be, you know, um, leaders of prayer in their own homes. But look, at that's where we're at. Um, there's lots of good resources out there now on the internet, uh, on websites nationally and internationally. And I would really encourage parents just you know it's interesting again and we're realizing i suppose and i've heard a lot and i agree completely about the importance of teachers but from a catholic faith perspective the parents are the primary educators of their children always were and always will be and while attending to other aspects of the curriculum uh what's important to you as parents for your children to know and learn and surely it's to go in the relationship with the lord uh for for catholic and christian parents as well so i suppose that's what i'd leave people with um, to empower oneself, empower yourselves to 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 be um, a prayerful community within your home, within the people you're cocooned with, if that's how you are at the moment, and look for the opportunities in this crisis. Father Eamon Connor, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us and taking time uh, to, to share those beautiful thoughts with us this morning. You might stay with us for, for our following part, Father, where we read and reflect on the Word of God, please. In the meantime, we'll go for our second piece of music. It's entitled, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. So join us again in part two, where we read and reflect on the Word of God.